lock and load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour this Saturday morning in uh, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, as usual, same time, same station. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I told you last week I was going to have a special guest, and, and I didn't tell you who it was because at that time I had not spoken with him to, to set this interview up, and it turns out it's a very timely uh, uh, interview because of some of the things that's happened this past week, and we're going to discuss that, and we're going to discuss how we got to the point that we are and uh, maybe how we can get out of the situation uh, with the uh, mass shootings, the school shootings, etc. cetera. Uh, I want to tell you that um, right now we still uh, don't have a bill dropped in the General Assembly. Uh, crossover day is next week. I think it's next uh, Friday. And uh, we're still expecting to have one dropped early in the week, and we've still got plenty of time to get it over to the Senate before crossover day. We will tell you what's in it when we uh, – when we see the final bill, but uh, basically what I've been talking about for the last several weeks is uh, pretty much what's in the bill. So uh, I want to bring on uh, a good friend. My, I say a good friend. I just met him a couple of years ago, but we uh, we have a lot of the same uh, interest. He is uh, the chairman of the uh, Buckeye Farms Foundation up in uh, Ohio, so you've all heard of at least his organization, and, and you may have heard of him because he uh, – Seems to carry home a lot of prizes from the GRPC each year. And uh, he, he's just a, a great guy, and he's very passionate about what uh, what our goal is and what his goal is. And uh, so I'm going to bring on now Jim Irvine from uh, Buckeye Farms, and uh, he's got another group called Faster that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But, uh, Jim, uh, welcome to the show. Jerry, it is an honor to be here, and I do consider you a good friend. Even though we've only known each other for a few years, uh, we're both involved in running grassroots groups and getting stuff done. And Georgia Carey is one of the premier grassroots groups in the country, and uh, and you have really done a neat job with it. And I, you're one of those. You're a person who is successful and works hard and does the right things and and gets results. Man, that's a great friend of mine. Well, I, I appreciate those comments. I don't, I don't always feel that way about things like that, but I, I do appreciate the kind comments, and, and I do uh, consider us friends because I know if I needed something from you or you needed something from me, we'd be there for each other. Um, exactly. So uh, you are. Give us a little bit of background about you. You you live in Columbus, Ohio. Is that correct, or around that area? I I live in Cleveland, Cleveland, but I spend a lot of time in Columbus, our capital, uh, working on legislative stuff. So, and as you know, it always takes longer than you think it will or think sure. it should. Sure. And uh, so it ends up spending an inordinate amount of time in Columbus working on legislative stuff. I'm uh, like like you. I it's volunteer. Uh, I'm an airline pilot. Is what I do for a living. And so. Uh, this is, but this is my passion. I love working on Second Amendment stuff. I, I got into it through kind of backdoor channels. I never had any really interest in any of the stuff I'm doing today. But once I started volunteering just a little bit and getting involved, what I found was I really loved the people in the firearms community, and I met so many good people. And when I also learned 
the truth is so much different than what was presented on TV. You better believe so it. it. So it was interesting to me, this whole conflict between what is being said in the media and what I was learning reality was. And so I wanted to explore it further and learn. And 20 years later, it's... Uh, I, I'm addicted to everything about it. I, I love the shooting stuff. I work, love working on legislation. And uh, outside of raising my kids, the neatest thing I've ever done in my life is this Faster Saves Lives program that I'm really honored to be a part of. Yeah, I I, um, I was kind of grinning to myself when you talked about coming in kind of through the back door. I was the same way. I, I didn't have any desire to do any of this. And I got involved with George Carey, started volunteering. And next thing you know, I'm... I liked what I was doing. I started reading everything I could to try to find out everything I could that was going on in the organization, in the Capitol, et cetera, and uh, just couldn't get enough. And finally, when they they named me as the executive director, I uh, realized that I knew more than I really wanted to know because I couldn't tell anybody about a lot of the things, as you well know. There's some things you just can't tell whether you want to or not. You want to let everybody know, but... But there's certain things that if you start telling, you're going to lose your contacts, and and then you're you're totally lost. And without the contacts, exactly. we're we're all dead in the water. So we have to play it close to the to the cuff sometime. And and uh, but I was uh, I was 63 when I was named executive director. So uh, you know I'm I'm ready to to get out and quit and lay back on the farm and not do anything. And all of a sudden, here comes a, another passion, and I've been going at it hot and heavy ever since. And it's it uh like you i think it's just turned out to be a real blessing in my life to to be able to meet the people and do the things that we've done and be as successful as we are and be be attached to a successful organization like uh like buckeye and like uh georgia Carey. yeah it's uh it, it really it's it's fun and it's honor and, and for everybody out there listening thinking you would never do what we do and listen to us. We never thought we would either, no. and we love it. All you've got to do is take that, that first step or two, get involved somehow, some way. It doesn't matter whether it's it's working at a gun show or working on campaigns. I mean, we're in an election year. There's all of these campaigns to work on. Get out and meet meet your candidates and get involved in stuff, and you don't have to do a lot. No. Just a couple weekends a year in the primary, a couple weekends, not even a whole weekend, a couple days right. of a weekend. Right. And it, and. Uh, and what you'll find is you'll, that'll put you in that rare 1% of people because so, so few people do anything, and it's developing a relationship with your elected officials. Mm-hmm. And out of that relationship is how you can shape their viewpoint on something. That's correct. You become the trusted friend who helps them out on stuff. And what I found is it's enjoyable. Yes, it is. The vast majority of politicians are good people who I like. Even people who disagree with us on on our issues um, are good people, and I learn stuff from them, and I like them. Sure. And it's just I I love the whole political stuff. But if that's not your thing, fine. Get involved in the gun show. Sure. Get help work on work on an apple seed or a youth shoot or something like that. Right. Get involved in something. I never used to understand volunteering when I was in. When I was a teenager or even early 20s, why you would ever volunteer for something I couldn't right. understand. That's the right. dumbest thing in the world. The right. only reason I'm working is if you're paying me. That's correct. And uh, and it's funny. Maybe it's just growing up or maybe it's just finding the right niche for me. But I, I, I am 
the luckiest guy on earth because well you're the, you're the second luckiest at any rate you, you may be the second luckiest but uh, i i agree with you the thing of it is that with the volunteering is it, i i felt the same way you and i think most young people do you know if i'm going to spend my time i'm going to get paid for it or i'm going to sit back and relax and and do whatever but you get paid in ways that you just can't count you 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 get paid in uh spiritual ways basically that that there's yes. no amount of money could ever make you feel the way that you feel after you've helped somebody uh, through something or you've gotten a, a good gun bill passed that, that is helping everybody in the state. I mean, people don't really understand a lot of times, you know, when we get a good gun bill passed, we not only help people in our organization, we help people throughout the state. We help millions of people in the state make their life easier and give them a better chance to uh, defend themselves as well as uh, travelers coming through here. You know, it, exactly. it's, it's amazing the number of people really that whose lives you'll touch by getting a bill passed. Uh, so it, it's, it's something that, that, like I said, it's, it's very worthwhile. We had, uh, we've had a, a bad week this week, I think. Jim's a good way to put it with uh, yep. the Florida shooting. And uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the mass shootings and school shootings, et cetera. And, and how did we get here? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a mess. And if what happened in Florida this week doesn't upset you, there, there's something wrong with you. It just it, it makes me so mad. And I know people on the other side get mad, too. The difference is, I guess, is we get mad because I know there's a better way. And I, maybe they feel the same way, but we've tried their way and it doesn't work. Right. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And right. I joke with our educators and for this is this this is going to be a neat show. I really appreciate you having me on because we're we're going to cover some stuff that's different than all of the other stuff people are hearing on this stuff. But it's we we've got to change how we do safety in our schools correct this isn't an this wasn't an active shooter this is an active killer mm-hmm. there's a very big difference we're active shooters right we're not killers so don't let the media mislead you on that on that idea the other misunderstanding is police this is not a police problem this is not a this is not police can't solve this right. problem right to think law enforcement can intervene in this and stop it is as silly as thinking law enforcement can see the guy running a red light and stop him before he T-bones you. Right. It can't happen. It's not that law enforcement's not good. It's that this is the timeline. The people who say that don't understand the timeline of the events. It is not possible for law enforcement to do it because right. they're not there. And it's not that they so, don't want to. It's not that they don't want to. They just can't. Right. No, everybody can't be they, everywhere. They, they would love to be able to save the day on this. They right. come as fast as they can. They do everything they can. But we're simply asking the impossible out of them. That's correct. And, and and we need to understand that and realize this is a school problem. Right. This hold, is not a law enforcement problem. Hold that and thought, no Jim. Diff- hold yeah. that thought. We're coming up to a commercial break here, and I hate to interrupt you oh, there because right. we're on a roll, but i got to remind everybody, this is georgiacarry.org radio hour. You can go to our website. Join up. It's $20 a year. You can uh, download the commercial-free podcast there. You can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back.
And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, once again, I'm here with Jim Irvine from uh, Buckeye Farms. And uh, is, is FASTER a program or is that a, a, an organization or, or what is what is that actually? FASTER is a program. That's what we've named our school safety program. Okay. <clears throat> and it's FASTER is an acronym and it stands for right. Faculty Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response. Right. So it's a... <clears throat> I guess a politically correct term for we're arming our school staff. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I, I just want to make sure I I thought it was a program from that emanated from Buckeye Farms, but I wasn't sure exactly uh, how it was. And I, I wasn't yeah, sure what our, the original. I knew I knew why it was started. I knew who started it. I just didn't know a lot of the the uh, inners and outers. It's 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 run by a bunch of volunteers and it's financed through Buckeye Firearms Foundation that's a which is a 501c3 mm-hmm. and that's that's who's financed all the training we do okay. <clears throat> and that's by by doing that we've been able to accomplish and train more people really than anyone else in the country in the right. last 5 years looking at schools and this stuff so it's it, it's really neat like you talk about spiritual <clears throat> thank yous the, all of us that volunteer on this, me, I'm an airline pilot. Another guy's a self-defense attorney. Another guy's an IT guy. Another right. guy's an insurance guy. Another guy's a school superintendent. All, I mean, just very different walks of life, very different people. Mm-hmm. But we are all brought together by our our love of kids and our wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it, really, all of us have unique things we brought to the table. It's It's really pretty obvious. Everything in my life was to set me up to do this. This was God's plan for me. I just took me about fifty years to figure it out. <laughs> well, sometimes so, uh, it takes a while. <laughs> and it's and it, all of us have really the same thing. We were sitting around one night discussing the the coincidences, and it, it, the odds get so silly. You're like, well, maybe it's really not a coincidence. Maybe maybe this is some divine intervention. Mm-hmm. How we all met and how we came together on this. So it's uh, like you say, thanks. Thanks and appreciation that that money can't buy. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you say that uh, about the divine intervention. I've said the same thing about Georgia Carey. We have uh, people here that we all live in Georgia, but um, we're from, well, I'm from Texas. Uh, One of our founders was from uh, Philadelphia. One was from New Jersey. One was uh, from um, Oregon. I think we had two of them here that actually were from Georgia. Our president's from South Carolina. I mean, we're, we're just from all over the place, and we met up and started. Well, they met up. I came on after they got started, but that was the impetus for guys moved in here and didn't like the, the laws and started talking to other people and said, "Well, let's do something about it." And yeah. uh, that's exactly what happened. And uh, it does sometimes seem like divine intervention because why would people that bring so much to an organization all be at the same table on the same day? Yep. It's uh, it's neat the way things work out. It is. It is. Of course, that's part of life. We were talking before the break about uh, about the uh, the the active killers, basically. And uh, I don't know how you see it. the way I see it. I, I see this as a, these uh, shootings as a failure of society. It's it's not a gun problem. Uh, we have um, we have basically 
in my opinion, lost a good part of uh, of a generation through uh, through our not being involved with those people, the the breakup of the homes uh, and various other things. Uh, I think it's more of a societal problem than anything else. I I agree a hundred percent. It's it, I, it's sometimes we get asked by reporters covering the classes. You know, or like something like this, because we get all this interest. They're like, so this has got to make you happy that you have all of these people now, all this interest in your program. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I think it's disgusting. It is horrible that this is needed. But it's also horrible that little kids get cancer. That's true. They do. They yeah. sh- it shouldn't happen. In my, If I was in charge, it would never happen. But if we just ignore the problem with cancer and don't do anything about it, the kids are going to die. But we can get in and change some things and treat things, and we can't save every kid, but we can save a lot of kids, and it would be wrong. It would be absolutely wrong to not treat a kid with cancer whose life we can save. That's correct. Well, the same thing is going on in our schools. We can't save every kid, but we can save a lot of the kids that are dying in this violence. Right. We can make it a lot better, and it is wrong. It is absolutely wrong for schools to not do what they can to save a kid's life. I agree and with And unfortunately, you. our education system is kind of stuck in, a, in an infinite loop, a lot of them, and they're not, they're not changing what they do. So we talked about, you know, insanity doing the same thing over again. We look at law enforcement. Law enforcement over the last 50 years has made some drastic changes, sometimes complete reversal of how they do things, Mm -hmm. because they failed, and they don't like failure. They don't like people dying on their watch, so they change to try and do better. The medical community has changed. Tourniquets has gone from a last thing to a first thing. Everything Mm -hmm. about a tourniquet is completely opposite of what it was when you and I were taught about tourniquets Mm -hmm. because the medical community doesn't like losing people on their watch either, so they change and do better. Right. They're always looking for a solution. Yeah, but our schools, for some reason, keep making the same mistake over and over again. And I joke with them. I'm like, look, the root definition of learning is a change in behavior. Can you enlightened educators tell me why you're the last ones to learn? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, oh, wait a minute. He's talking about us. <laughs> but, well, we've, we do lockdown drills, and we have a school resource right. officer. We have our door locks, and we've got buzzers, and we've got cameras. And I joke with them. I said, so you copied everything Sandy Hook did, so you're, you're hoping for Sandy Hook. You're, you're wanting, you know, six of your school staff and uh, 20 of your kids slaughtered. That's what you're going for? Right. Well, no, of course not. Well, you copied their policies. And what happened there? You copied their procedures. How do you expect it to end up differently for you? And they they just, they never think about it because they don't think this will really ever happen there. Well, I'll tell you what, five and a half years ago, if you go up to to, uh, Newtown, Connecticut, and ask those parents in that that city, it would never happen there. It could happen there. They would have never imagined what was going to happen the next morning. That's correct. But they will They will tell you now what could happen because they yeah. know firsthand. And, and as you know, you talk to anybody who's lost a child, it is devastating. Mm-hmm. The scar is deep and wide and will never heal. You'll go on with your life because you have to, but you never fully recover from losing a child. The only thing worse than losing a child 
If you lose a child to cancer, man, that's going to hurt. But somehow, someway, maybe it's God's plan, something I don't understand, something. But if you lose a kid with negligence involved, that will eat at you forever. Right. And that's that's what we have in our schools. They have they have not adequately protected our kids. If they did an adequate job, we wouldn't keep having a bunch of dead kids. That's so, right. Uh, it, they've got to do better. They have got to have trauma training. They've got AEDs. They've got EpiPens. They they would never stand around and just wait for nine one one on a heart attack. Right. If they did, it's negligence. Right. If they did it with an anaphylactic shock or a bee sting or a food allergy, and the child died because they did nothing, but well, we called nine one one. This is a medical situation. Right. Right. Sure it is. But if they don't act, the person's going to be dead before the medical person can get in the building, and everybody knows and understands that. Right. Violence is no different, folks. That's correct. Dialing 911 and waiting for the police who can't get there in time, your kids are going to be dead before they get there. This is not an acceptable action. It's just absolutely not. Schools need to take this seriously, and they need stuff in place, not just to deter and keep them outside. All of that stuff's important. But when those layers fail, what do they have in place to stop the guy who's walking down the hallway that's about to walk into a, into a schoolroom and kill every kid in there. And those layers will fail, as we witnessed just this week. Uh, it seems yeah. to, that, that, that matter of fact, that's one of the biggest problems. They do fail. One of the things that, that I, uh, I watched you on your video that uh, you sent me, and I posted links that you sent me to uh, the video of how it got started, et cetera, and, and uh, uh, several of the news reports up there, which I think are very interesting, and I, I hope our uh, members and listeners will uh, will go to our Facebook page, get those, and look at them and see uh, just what's going on. But one of the things that you said I thought was very interesting. I, I've heard it before, knew it was a fact, but one of the things that people don't think about during an active shooting or an active killing situation, as you refer to it, um, one of the things that they don't think about is most the majority of people who get shot by a firearm survive. Yes. If they get medical attention in time. The ones that don't survive, for the most part, bleed out. And so, therefore, we need to find some way to stop the bleeding, to keep the, the uh, victim breathing until the emergency medical team can get there. Uh, I'm going to have to take another break here. Um, we're going... Uh, I want to remind you to go to georgiacarry.org, our website. We've got everything we've ever done on there. It's it's really a good website. We've got nice, uh, some really good FAQs you can join. You can uh, contact me and con- contact anybody on our board of directors. Uh, you can go uh, download the commercial-free podcast. You can follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64 on Twitter, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I'm here again with uh, Jim Irvine from uh, Buckeye Firearms Foundation. And uh, we were just talking before the break about how um, the majority of, of gunshot victims 
say are saved, do not die, or could be saved if they can stop the bleeding and somebody can keep them bleeding until or keep them breathing until they get uh, to the hospital or get some emergency uh, medical attention. So uh, let's try to pick up where we left off there, Jim. Yeah, that, you're exactly right on this. And I, I know stats don't work good on the radio, but bear with me, folks. This one's simple enough you can follow. So in World War II, if you were shot on the battlefield, we had a 75% survival rate, 25% died. Mm-hmm. For, fast forward 60-some years till today and look in our schools. If we, if we have someone who's shot in our school, we have a 50% casualty rate. So you're twice as likely to die from a gunshot wound in a school today as you were on a battlefield in World War II with with the true weapons of war type stuff that was being shot at you. Mm -hmm. Even with all of the medical advances we have today, we still have double the fatality rate. How? Why? There's two things driving that stat. One is the proximity of the shooter. And war, you're some distance away normally. But in our schools, in an active killer situation, we are off, the, the average shot is just under two feet. And it's often a head shot. Mm. So it is devastating injuries. But why is that? It's because we tell our children to hide instead of fight. Mm-hmm. We tell them, hunker down, do lockdown drills. We actually have policies that make it easier for someone to kill our kids than it is in war. And then the other thing is, in war, if you get shot, there's a medic. You're going to get treated. Right. <clears throat> On the battlefield in World War II, <clears throat> excuse me, it was, might not have been great, but it was something. In our schools, we're not treating our victims. Right. We're letting them lay there and bleed to death. Because we have we haven't taken three hours and spent a hundred dollars on some basic trauma kits, that is not acceptable, folks. We got to change stuff. The zero tolerance stuff. I mean, somebody posted a video this week, and I don't think it should have ever aired. Uh, you know, Facebook and YouTube or whatever have their decency standards, but they they allowed to be posted a video of those kids in a school cowering mm-hmm. in fetal position in fear while somebody's executing their friends and the people right next to them. Mm. It's brutal. But mm. you'll notice the kids didn't stand up and fight. No. Well, well, he's reloading. We prohibit fighting. We saw the correct. same thing in Virginia Tech. Our kids have done what we told them to do, and instead of training them to live, we trained them to die. Right. That zero tolerance is killing our kids. And we need to realize the unintended consequences of a well-meaning policy and see that it has failed, and we need to look at some different things. Oh, I agree. Well, we start off in kindergarten teaching our children, do not defend yourself. If somebody hits you, you don't hit back. If somebody hits you, you uh, you come tell somebody. You go get somebody. You go call the cops, in other words. Wait yeah. for them. Uh, and, you know, it's at kindergarten, it's come tell a teacher, and then they'll take care of the problem. We don't teach children how to take care of the problem or the situation that they're in anymore. And it's, uh, I've said that for ages. We're just making a bunch of, of uh, a group of, of kids that don't know how to rely on their, their own instincts to save their lives. Right. We, and, it's, and it is. We're wired to do this, but we have actually trained out this protective nature, and, and our kids are dying as a result. Mm-hmm. It, it is an ab, it's, a, it's 
I, I can't think of a word to describe how absolutely wrong that is. So, you know what, parents, you have got to get involved with your schools. I know they're going to fight it. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, you're right, great right. idea, let's change right. it all. That's not going to happen. But it's time parents get involved and be persistent and enforce some changes. One of our lessons is you do not need permission to fight for your life. Right. You don't need – fighting is not the solution to a lot of problems. I'm not advocating violence. But if somebody is killing you or your friend or family member, your fellow man, if somebody comes in with a gun and they're just mowing people down, fighting is not only permitted – Fighting is demanded. That's correct. You must fight. And yeah. this is what we have got to be teaching our children. It's a com- it has nothing to do with guns. It's a complete mindset shift. And, and until our educators learn this, we're going to keep seeing these events, and we're going to have our kids slaughtered. It doesn't have to be this way. You'll what? notice these active killing events typically happen in nice suburban areas. Yes. Inner city schools have got all a lot of problems. I'm not saying they don't, but a problem inner city schools don't have is active killers, because mm-hmm. the kids in the inner city schools will fight. Right. And the cowards who commit these things are afraid to go deal with them. You can't do this right. with everybody fighting back. Well, you know what? How about we learn from these lessons here, and and change what we teach our kids. Change the response to an active killer, we can save a lot of lives. And, of course, the medical stuff, you got to be able to treat them, and you've got to be right. able to do all this other stuff. Right. Right. You can't just leave them, can't leave them laying there and, and waiting, because um, one of the things also that you pointed out was uh, when the shooting starts, the police are not going to be there. They're, they will be on the way as soon as somebody calls them, and they will get there, and they'll get there as soon as they can. Uh, however, once they get there, and the medical people will be right behind them. But the medical people won't be allowed to come into the school until the school is secured, or until the situation is secured. And so, yep. therefore, you may be waiting 30 or 40 minutes while some, some child's laying there bleeding out when you could be applying a, a tourniquet or compression bandage or something to stop that bleeding. Yeah. The cops are going to be late, but at least they're coming. They're coming as fast as they can. Your medics are going to get close, and then they're going to sit there where it's safe. Right. And they're going to let all your kids bleed to death while the police search and make the building safe. By the time they get in there, they're dead. It's right. just, that's, that is a horrible. Think about that. And it's not that this is by accident. This is our plan. Right. This is something we thought about and planned. Folks, it's negligence. It is absolutely unexcusable negligence. And if your kid's in a school, you have a right to demand better. And should be doing so. Yep. At every every opportunity you get, you should be doing so. Uh, you know, I know. Uh, I sit here in Atlanta, listen or listen to the news, and they were talking about principals of this school and principals of that school sent out letters saying, "Well, you know, we're we're working. We can assure you, your kids are being protected, and we're always trying all that." But they're not doing anything different than what they've done, which is the same problem you you and I've been discussing. It's the same old trail they're going down. Yeah, it, it's. It is time for a dramatic change in schools. And and the good news is a lot of schools are seeing the light on that. In Ohio, we have, through our Faster Saves Lives program, we have now trained about 1,300 people, over 200 school districts in Ohio. 
uh, almost every county. We've worked with 12 different states. We did an out-of-state class in in, uh, Colorado last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, I've talked with people in three different states in the last 24 hours on bringing this in there. I mean, this this is the future of our schools because it's proven to work. Right. And people are getting sick of having our kids slaughtered in schools. So when when the parents demand better, we're going to get better. I right. know multiple districts in Ohio that did not initially want to do this, but the parents pressured them that you have to do something. Mm-hmm. The police told us they can't get there. You need it. So right. here's this program. You better go partake in it. And once the districts have done this, we've never had a district arm staff and then decide it didn't work and unarm their staff. Right. It's, it, I don't know of a single case of that anywhere in the country, actually. Um, and there's all sorts of benefits besides stopping an active killer. There's the relationship with law enforcement through the training. It's, right. And it's funny, law enforcement kind of fought this at the beginning, but every law enforcement agency that's either come to the class or worked with their districts and stuff, when you talk to them one, two years into this program, how are things going? Like, man, we should have done this years ago. We had no idea what we were missing yeah. over and over again. So it's as word spreads on that, it will happen throughout the whole country. It will happen in your communities. But it's up to each of us to help our district hurry that process along because I don't want to lose another however many kids it's going to take before other people decide, you know what, this failed. We yeah. need a new way of doing it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I would point out to our listeners that, that uh, uh, you and I have talked, and we will be talking more in the in the very near future to see what we can do about spreading the program down here. I know you were on with Mark Walters the other day, and, and right after the program he called me and, and was talking about you being on the program and, and what you had going. I said, I know Mark. I talked to him at, at the SHOT Show, and – uh, we're going to be talking more and that, that you were going to be on the radio. So at any rate, I um, want to remind you one more time, got to go to georgiacarry.org, our website. Um, you can join. You can renew. You can find out anything that we've ever done. All our legal papers are uh, filed on that website. Uh, you can contact us. We've got our annual convention coming up August 24th and 25th. And uh, you can follow us at Georgia Carey on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64. You can download the commercial-free podcast there and here at Newstalk1160.com. And we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarey.org radio with GeorgiaCarey.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, Jerry Henry once again with Jim Irvine from uh, Buckeye Firearms Foundation. Uh, we're talking about his Faster Saves Lives program that uh, we have talked about trying to start something here in Georgia similar to it, and uh, we're not going to run into any uh, we're not going to run into any uh, uh, obstruction between uh, Jim and us in, in getting that done. Uh, when we left, we were still talking about the active shooters. And one of the things that that I I thought about, too, when I was reading this is you give – we give a people away – or this program gives a people away, the teacher, a, an opportunity and a manner to stop an active shooter. Right now, you've got people in every school that when something happens, they will run to the situation to try – 
to handle it, especially if there's there's something serious going on. And just like this football coach that went down there, he got down there, but the only defense he had, the only and well, no offense really, was to stand between the shooter and the kids and give his life to try to save uh, somebody else's child. And that's just not right. I mean, it's great that we have heroes like that that will do it, but he, we shouldn't put him in that position to where he has to choose between his life and your kid. A- absolutely not. And I, when I talk with school boards, I point out to them, I'm like, look, carrying a gun is not for everybody. And carrying a, you don't want to arm all of your staff. And they're like, no, they're afraid of this whole thing. They said, look, and they don't want to carry guns, and we don't want to train them, the vast majority. But understand, in every one of your buildings, you've got a couple people who are going to do what that football coach did, like Victoria Soto and Sandy Hook. They're going to go to the scene on event day. No matter what your policy is, no matter what the risk to their life, they're going to go there, and they're going to do everything they can to save those kids because their love is that strong. And they know that. Everybody thinks, yeah, yes, yes. All we're talking about is let's pre-identify those people and then let's get them the skills, the tools, the mindset, so that when they get there on event day, they can end the violence. Right. Instead of dying for our children, how about they win for our children? Yep. How about they live for our children? That is what the Faster Saves Life program is about. And it's hard. It's, that, it's not controversial. It really is that simple. All we're doing is giving that person these skills, tools, and abilities to win that confrontation when they get there, to end the violence, so that no more of our kids get killed. How on earth could anybody be opposed to that? Because it's not about the gun. It's about the safety of our kids. And if you put that first, there really is no other way to get this done. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, To me, there's no doubt about that. There's no way that you can really win uh you know it's kind of like taking a knife to a gunfight you're just not going to win if you're uh outmanned outgunned and you have to have something that will even the odds and right. and if you're allowed if, if you've got those teachers and in every school as you say does we've got ex-military people both men and women you've got um just just great people that's the way they were raised that they were raised like you and i you you defend yourself you defend others you take care of things you, you don't let some things happen in society and those people should be allowed to have the tools to uh, to put a stop to what's going on and the other thing is the medical part of it to to know how and what to do to save the child's life or any victim's life that's in the in that uh, active shooting range Yep. So what, what we do at our training is they will, they will, it's a three-day class. They've got to have a concealed handgun class before the, or license before we start. Mm-hmm. And we also require them to take a foundation class because we want them to be really proficient with shooting a gun before the training starts. The higher level of skill they bring into the class, the higher we can push them out at three days later. Mm-hmm. But we start out with lectures and mindset. If, if you want to, it's, you've got to start by understanding a problem if you want to solve the problem. So we take some time to look at that and mindset and these lessons, like you don't need permission to fight for your life. That's one of the PowerPoint slides. Right. Because we've got to make sure we reach these people and they've got to understand that. So then we go out on the range and we do some shooting, uh, accurately shooting, and we work on not just how to shoot a gun safely how to run the gun to the limits of its ability. Mm -hmm. We all drive cars, 
but we don't drive them to the ability of the car unless you're a professional driver. What they do in, in Formula One or NASCAR is amazing, but they're driving that car to the limits of its ability. We want to teach people to shoot the gun to the limits of its ability. So we do quite a bit of shooting, and then we spend some time on the techniques because the shooting isn't doing you any good if you can't if you don't understand how to use it in a dynamic in- environment, right. how to get down the hallway and deal with the killer that's in a classroom in a safe manner. So we do that. And then day three, we do force-on-force training. So it's scenario training. I'm an airline pilot. We train in simulators. They're, they're very realistic. Well, a good force-on-force is a simulator for a gunfight. So people go, well, we don't know how the teacher's going to respond under stress. No, we don't. We don't know how a cop's going to respond no. to stress either. No. But what we do know is when we train the cops properly and use good force-on-force training, their performance is much, much better. You know what? Same thing's for our military. Same thing's true for our school staff. Sure. So that's why we give them this training. The last thing we do, and we also do the medical training. That, that is part of our class. And then the last thing we do is we have them shoot the law enforcement qual. Now, in Ohio, law enforcement qual is 25 shots place only need 20 out of 25. We add three shots while moving, so it's a 28-shot qual because you've got to be able to shoot a gun while you're moving right. in this in this environment, in this, sure. in this role. You're in a cafeteria or something like that. And, so, and we only allow two misses out of 28 instead of five out of 25. So we hold them to a much higher degree of competence than what the state holds our law enforcement mm-hmm. officers. And the reason why is simple. If a law enforcement officer misses, and they do about 80% of the time, right. but if it's in a warehouse, in a field, in a drug house, very rarely does anybody else ever get hurt. Right. The misses are not catastrophic. But misses is in a classroom, right. at the, in the lunchroom, the football game, in the parking lot, in the crowd, devastating. It's right. not acceptable. Right. It just is not. And we drive that point home that they have got to deliver hits, and they've got to know their abilities and how close they need to be to guarantee hits. And that's that's a big part of the training. And it's uh, it, it's amazing. John Venner at Tactical Defense Institute designed the class, so it's taught there, and also uh, Serino Training Group, Chris Serino. And uh, for those of you who watched Top Shots, Chris was runner-up the first season, and I think it was the fifth, the celebrity season. And... Uh, for you guys who love Chris Serino on the on the TV shows, he's just like that in person. He just he really is larger than life, and a, and a great a great instructor. And both of those guys really care about their students, the, the teachers in the class, and the administrators and the other people taking this class. How can I give my knowledge and give my skills to them? How can I make them better? And they work really really hard at it. And they both have other good instructors around them to, that, that does a great job. So we work with the school resource officers time and time again. Resource officers come in, why do I need to take a class with a teacher? I'm a mm-hmm. cop. I've done this. I'm SWAT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in and take the class. Time and time again, they leave the class going, wow, I had no idea what you guys were doing. This is better than any law enforcement class I've taken. This is better than you know anything else I've ever done. We, we see it and we hear it all the time. And it's, I mean, that's not a testament to me. It's a testament to Mr. Benner and Mr. Serino and how good they are at what they do. Like, right. I tell the school boards, look, I think I'm a pretty good instructor. I've, I've done quite a bit and gotten to hang around some really good instructors. 
but pretty good is not the standard we're looking for in our schools. We're looking for world class. Right. We're looking for the best. We're talking right. about the safety of our kids. Nothing but the best will do. Right. And so that's the standard that has been set, and that's the standard that that, that we're looking to comply with. Okay, Trino well, says, "We strive for ex- we strive for perfection. We'll accept excellence." Right, and that's uh, that's a good point. Uh, we're going to wind it down here. Um, one of the things that I did want to point out to our listeners, if you if you click on uh, some of the videos that that uh, I put in the on the Facebook page, one of them has a, a young lady coming in, and and they're using airsoft guns, but she shot the perp in the back. And they turn around and ask her, said, what do you, you know, how'd you feel about that? And she said, well, I almost cried. So that's how realistic it is so that they get an idea of what's going on. Uh, we're going to shut her down. I want to thank you, Jim, for being on here. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. And uh, we uh, want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can download the commercial-free podcast there. You can download them here at newstalk1160.com. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.